it grew from just one person trying to make a living with her hands. I can't imagine doing anything else. My name is Louise Newsom, and you're listening to The Makers, brought to you by Trade and Prosper. On this episode, you'll meet Carolyn Ray, President and Creative Director of Carolyn Ray Incorporated, located in Yonkers, New York. Carolyn came to the design industry from a fine art background and early career as a painter, with a passion for making the process of design and production as experimental, joyous, and fine as possible. For 40 years, Carolyn Ray Incorporated has been designing and producing original, modern, classic interior fabrics and wall coverings. We're here in your studio in Yonkers, which is about 12, 15 miles outside of Manhattan. And the studio is just rich with years of research and development. So you studied painting. Actually, I went to undergraduate school at Skidmore. Right. Liberal Arts College, majored in art. And then I went to graduate school at Tyler School of Art. And the first year was in Rome. And, but my major was painting, so I never officially studied textiles. I started out painting on canvas, and then I started doing constructions, three-dimensional constructions with paint and fabric on laundry lines. That's right. I remember And that. making very female-inspired um, sculptures that were about women and women's place in society and effigies, etc., laundry lines, like vestiges of traditional womanhood. But what happened next, you're asking me, how did I get to painting on fabric for interiors, right? Right. And that's because I got fired from my last job and said I'd never work for anybody again. And I was teaching fabric painting and printing at the time and decided that I needed to make a living doing my own work and decided to try to figure out how to make a living from putting my painterly ideas on fabric that could be used in interiors. So what knowledge at that time did you have about interiors and about the use of fabrics in interiors? Actually, nothing. I was in Philadelphia. I was without a job. I was on unemployment. I thought about fabric not in a gallery, but in life. And I thought, okay, there are two choices. Interiors, uh, draperies, curtains, bedspreads, etc., or apparel. I was scheduled for a painting show in Philadelphia the next year, and it was going to be an environment of these feminine sculptures. And instead, I decided to turn it into a fabric show and see if anybody would buy these fabrics I was doing. And I invited all of my friends, and a couple of, a couple of my friends were creating fabric for apparel. And I also had a friend who worked at a showroom an interior showroom. So she gave me her mailing list. And so I invited everybody on the mailing list for the interior showroom to the show. It opened at a blizzard. Nobody came except a couple of friends. And I knew nothing about interiors or showrooms. But one guy called me up a week later and said, Carolyn, I want to meet you down at the gallery. I have some questions. And he turned out to be the owner of a interior showroom in Philadelphia. His name was Virgil Greca, and he had a showroom called Matches that was an interior showroom. And he said, he brought me down to the gallery and he said, what are you doing here? What do you, what do you think you're doing? And I said, well, just trying to sell fabric to anybody who wants to buy it. And he said, well, this is crazy, but uh, I, you should go see Pat Green in New York. 
she has a showroom called Groundworks and she's got a lot of crazy artists there doing painting on fabric and I think she might like your stuff. So the 80s is a good time for this, for introducing. It was. The early 80s was great. And then the mid 80s was the big crash. Yeah. And then there was the AIDS epidemic and there was a lot of heartache and economy went down and many people went out of business. And Pat was one who sold her business to Lee Jofa. So you're obviously learning some stuff along the way and figuring out and adjusting your art to be for retail for commercial, for, well, for residential and even commercial use. Mm -hmm. And you're on your own, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have a team around you. It was just me for the first two years. And then I moved to Yonkers and I got my first employee. So where we're sitting right now, right? you took the space in... 1980. 1980. And then you brought in two employees. First there was one. And what was the first one? What was the first <laughs> need that you think, that you felt that you needed for your business? I mean, here you are from solopreneur to now a company. And you're like, I need to hire this person because. So what was that first need? I need an assistant to wash the buckets and, you know, pin the fabric down so I could and, and hold the screen while, while I printed it because some of the designs were screen printed and just generally help me out. My interview here was, I think I was here for like six hours that first day. <laughs> It was really long. <laughs> so do you feel that working at Carol and Ray kind of prepares you possibly for opening your own business? Yeah, I mean, I think I think in general in my working experience, I think sort of the smaller the business you work for, the more involved you are in all the different aspects and the more you learn. Right, just um, like an owner of a business. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, and who was the second person then? The second person was a customer service person to handle the orders and the administration and the bookkeeping and all that. I aced that math test. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Good to At know. At least in my memory, I aced that Well, that's why you're here. <laughs> so did you come from school? Were you uh, in the job? Yes, I was a recent grad. Um, I had graduated that in May. And um, ironically, I had applied for Gail's job. Mm -hmm. I applied for the wrong job. A couple of months later, maybe even just a month later, I got a call out of the blue and it was Carolyn uh, saying, hey, I had your resume. Um, it looks like you have some business experience. Uh, you didn't get that other job, but we do have this other job that we are looking to fill soon. And it's uh, more of an administrative position if you're interested in it. And I was like, oh, you know, that's really funny because that's kind of what I thought I was applying for. I mean, I see you as a businesswoman definitely see you as an artist, but I also see you as a businesswoman. And to me, it's just an anomaly. And I've always admired it's, that about right, you. Right, right. So I love the role of working with the designer on a project and I'm good at it. All of that stuff is really exciting to be the artist working with a customer. I think I'm best used in the studio, creating stuff out in nature, getting inspired. I like math. I like bookkeeping. I like adding up columns and turning. And, and then at the end of the column, you put a dollar sign on it and there's money and you made that product that made that. I mean, the whole thing is fascinating, I guess. The first thing is, I don't know, numbers, science and all of that stuff is interesting to me in itself. I would say that art alone is not so interesting to me, unlike a lot of people that, you know, are 100 percent artists. Fabric, which is repeated pattern. We make graphs all the time. 
that's fun, right? And actually, when you think about houses and hotels, architecture, interiors, exterior, structure, in a way that goes back to the art that I was doing before I started this business, I was doing laundry lines. So that's the other thing is the process of work. It's not just creating a pretty painting for its own sake and putting it in a frame. It's about the meaning of work and repetition, physical labor, right, and solving problems. The Makers is brought to you by Trade and Prosper. Here we share the stories of individuals and businesses that make our communities. We believe in those who are committed to doing well by doing good, using their hands, minds and hearts to create a better place for us all and believe that a little sweat and a lot of sharing turns a community into a populace of prosperity. Trade and Prosper is a forum where those like-minded individuals meet to trade ideas, information, goods and services, as well as build long-lasting relationships that enable them to expand their reach locally and also globally. For more information on our organization and for more podcast episodes, head over to tradeandprosper.com. Follow us on social media for the latest news and events about businesses near you. You brought in wallpaper. Mm-hmm. W- what point was that? Because fabric, I mean, it seems that like- That was in like the, the middle 80s. Right. Brought in the wallpaper because everyone, you know, uh, representatives, salespeople and designers all said, you need to do wallpaper. We would like to see these things on the wall because it's, what I was doing at the time was very subtle background colors and textures. They thought it was more appropriate for the wall maybe than as fabric. Have you found yourself being more comfortable always in the fabric than the wallpaper? When I first started doing fabric for a living, I was a total artist snob and thought that doing fabric was literally, you know, I was going to try to sell some fabric, but I I wasn't proud of it. I didn't think it was, I thought it was um, on a lower echelon than fine art. I really wanted to be a painter. I really, you know, at the time... I saw myself as a, you know, just a, a me, you know, a, a somebody who wanted to be a contender in the fine art world and just didn't have what it took in terms of confidence, talent, security, etc. I didn't think I, I had what it took. So I did fabric to make a living. I really sort of fell into it and wanted to give it a try because I really didn't want to work for anybody else. And I thought, well, maybe I can do something with fabric, period. So I never had a love of fabric or fabric printing for its own sake at all. I only did it to make a living. So when you say, do do, do I have more of a feeling for fabric than wallpaper? In the beginning, I didn't really have a feeling for fabric. It wasn't a passion. I'd say I was a passionate painter. I was passionate about discovering my aesthetic ideas by using paint and fabric to express myself, right? And it took me a lot of years to even believe that what I was doing on fabric was interesting artistically. That was many years later. I was trying to make interesting work. I respected collections like Fortuny. Fortuny was an artist and a fabric maker from beginning to end of his life, and his work still lives on. I respected Brunswick Gay Feast and Clarence House and Knoll because 
each of these companies stood for something that was unique to them, you know, and I respect the mark each of those companies made. So I wanted to make a mark with fabric, but I didn't hold it in the high esteem that fine art was, right? And I didn't feel like passionate about fabric itself. It was more about what you can do with it, right? Ideas, color, texture, etc. Trying to make a statement that was my own. When people said wallpaper, I didn't really know about wallpaper, but I thought, I think I thought at the time, Louise, interesting to investigate. Let me try to investigate it, right? So I started to do wallpaper designs or first started to put my fabric designs on wallpaper. Then I started designing for wallpaper on its own. And I loved it, you know, to and hover and those things. I, I'm very proud of those designs. They're more like drawings than anything else. I really, you know, enjoyed working with paper and the opaque quality of wallpaper printing inks, etc., and the screen. So I was very, you know, I really enjoyed wallpaper. And the wallpaper sold for a bunch of years. It way outsold the fabrics. I kind of uh, didn't develop new ideas in fabric for many years. And I was having my kids as well. And we were having a lot of success in the business. So there were many years where I wasn't doing a whole lot of designing, Louise, you may remember. And then 2000, things were starting to happen with the fabric again. I think I was starting to do investigating with ombres and metallics and so on with the fabrics, right? In the 2000s, the early 2000s. But what spurred that? What influenced you to go yeah, back? Yeah, let me think. Was it competitors? It was on your Larkin. It was doing things on paper, but... I would say, I've never thought about this before, <laughs> specifically, we almost went out of business in the mid-80s. It was, As I said, it was a downturn in the market. We had a fire in this building. We were out of business for a year. I had my first child. There, a lot of stuff hit the fan in about, in about 1985 through 87. We were in survival mode. And I was also, I mean, my biggest passion at the time was being a mother. So kept the business going, worked on getting, you know, spreading our rep exposure around the country. I had to go travel to the reps, et cetera, and sell the work that we had in the collection, but didn't do a lot of new designing. My energy was spent selling design, right? And looking around and trying to promote it as well. We did a lot of promotional But that's the work, right way to do it. You have to bring the sales in. Yes, but we, of course, I should have also been creating new designs all the time as well. And but I wasn't. You didn't have the resources. So there's a choice, a business choice. And you had beautiful We had beautiful designs. designs we did already. new colorways, but we also, you, you know, I also didn't have the ideas either. Didn't have a lot of creative ideas for wallpaper or fabric at the time. I had given up painting in 1978. I hadn't been painting for, what, 10, 15 years. I was looking at the market. I was introducing new colorways. We were adding new colors to the designs we already had. I wasn't getting stimulated, I think you're right, by either museums, galleries, or my own work, right? Concentrating on the kids, concentrating on sales. I'm sure that the first metallic I ever did was a customer wanted a custom, probably. Custom version of one of our designs. And it was also looking around and seeing that metallics were really hot in the 90s. That's what I think you're getting out. Maya Romanoff, 
Anya Larkin, even Fortuny from a hundred years before. It was that glitter that was that made his work shine. So the first custom design where I had to, you know, put some metallic in a stripe, I remember. The, you know, the hand-painted stripes were our first fabrics that we ever did. And somebody wanted a stripe in black, silver, and gold or something. So I started working on that and then started designing wallpapers that had metallics in them, right? Like Field Guide and Hover. We're doing now wallpaper right here in the studio, and it's really exciting. We're hand-painting our own wallpaper. Right, because that was a challenge, sending it out. Yeah, and we still do. We still have the print line that's printed for us by another mill, but we finally, we're finally, you know, and it's been... It's been a 15-year experiment to try to figure out how we could produce paper here in our studio. And it's finally out, and people are finally buying it, and it's really beautiful, and it's like nobody else. Hmm. So we've got hand-painted rice paper going back to Asia. It came from Asia. It's going back to Asia. It's really fun when you can close those circles. What we do is like nobody else. Whether it's an innovation that will move the industry forward, I don't know. But it's certainly very personal and very unique what we do. And that makes me really, really happy. But it's a team that makes it is what I wanted to say. It takes everybody here together. Yes, it's a collaboration. And I mean, everything we do pretty much, I guess, comes from some inner thing in me. You know, it's very personal that initial seed, it comes into fruition by the contributions of everybody who works on it. The conversation we're having now is going to influence what we do in the future because you're making me think in new ways that I hadn't even thought of. So you are literally contributing to the next thing we do. I've learned so much from everybody else. Like I, we would not be in business if I didn't make, like you said before, many, many mistakes have many, many failures and tune in to what happened and why and figure out how to do it better, right? You have to listen to the market, to your own self first, but you have to like pay attention to what people, if you want to sell something, somebody has to want to buy it. And if you want to keep selling, stay in business, it's not a one-shot deal, right? You have to keep learning and keep changing. What we're doing today is we're doing brand new stuff all the time now, ever since 2010. So for the last eight years, we've been producing new stuff all the time. No longer that once a year thing. It's like every week we produce something new in the studio. And it all comes directly from my being more involved now in my own painting and in the art world out there and getting excited and having new ideas and then coming in here and experimenting. Thank you for joining me this week on The Makers, brought to you by Trade and Prosper. Follow us on your preferred listening channel for new episodes released every Monday. Tune in next week for a conversation with Josh Morton, founder and owner of Barrows and Tens Ginger Liqueur, based out of Industry City, Brooklyn.